There are those who Alladina, those people who Yattabiuna, they follow Rasula, the messenger. Which messenger? Annabiya, the Prophet. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was a Rasul and a Nabi. One of the differences that the scholars have given between Rasul and Nabi is that Rasul is the one who brings a new message. And Nabi is the one who reinforces the message of the previous Prophet. So we see that Muhammad ﷺ was Rasul and Nabi. Because while he brought a new Sharia, he also reinforced the teachings of the previous Prophets. Isn't that so? He reinforced the teachings of the previous Prophets. Because he was the last of the Prophets. So those who follow the Messenger, the Prophet, which Prophet? Al-Ummi, the unlettered prophet. Al-Ladi, the one who yajiduna, who they find him. Meaning the people find this prophet, maktuban, written, indahum, with them, where? Fit-Tawrah, in the Torah, wal-Injil, and the Injil. Meaning his name and his description. They find it written in their scriptures. He is mentioned by name and his description is given in the Torah and the Injil. For example, in Isaiah 29 verse 12, it is said, And the book is delivered to him that is not learned. What's one of the descriptions? That is not learned. Saying, read this, I pray thee. And he said, I am not learned. Is this a correct description of the Prophet ﷺ? Yes. It's like when you read this, you think, yeah, of course this is Muhammad ﷺ. Because unlettered, he was ummi. And secondly, when the angel came to him, what did he say? What was the first revelation? Iqra. And what did the Prophet ﷺ say? Ma ana biqari. I am not someone who reads. I cannot read. I am not learned. So anyway, the description that is given in the Torah and Jeel and also in the Quran is which one? Al-ummi. Ummi. Who is Ummi? It's from the root letters Hamza Mim Mim. What word comes from there? Um. Alright. Um is mother. Ummi is someone who has learned whatever he has learned from his mother. Your mother is your first teacher. And mothers over here, please realize that you are your child's first teacher. He will learn from you first and foremost, before he will learn from anyone else. Even if a mother dies right after the birth of the child, or she goes away, she leaves the child, the child has already learned from the mother. Where? Where? In the womb. Hmm? Because the words of the mother, the nature of the mother, her behavior, it definitely has an effect on the child. Right? So, Ummi is someone who has learned only from the mother. The first teacher is the mother. Alright. Now, some people, they learn from the mother, and then, when they're three years old, when they're four years old, where do they go? School. And when they go to school, they learn from other people. They get formal education. That's the system we have today. Back then, people had a different system, which was that as people grew older, they would send their children to different, different teachers. Okay? Whether that teacher is teaching them some craft, or some handiwork, or some knowledge, some information, how to read, how to write, how to speak a language, all of those things. Anyone who instructs you is who? Who? Your teacher. So, Ummi is someone who has not had any formal training. 
Who is he? Someone who has not had any formal training. He is unlettered. Now you might say, isn't this something quite sad? That someone has not learned anything? They're uneducated basically. Isn't it? Like if someone is being introduced, right? And it is said, oh, they never went to school. Hmm? Or for example, some people because they're being homeschooled, they feel embarrassed when they tell their friends, I am homeschooled. Some people. Some people are very happy about it, proud about it. And other people who don't like to be in that system, they get embarrassed. So if somebody was introduced in this way, that this person never went to school, they never went to college, they never went to university, would you give any importance to them? Or would you feel sorry for them? Would you feel sorry for them or no? Come on man, respond. Would you feel sorry for them? Yeah. But we see that repeatedly in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes His Messenger as Ummi. And if you think about it, this is kind of embarrassing. But the Prophet ﷺ described as Ummi. Why? Because for him, it is praise. It would be blameworthy for other people, but for him, it is actually praise. How? How is it praise for him? How does it make the Prophet ﷺ a better human being compared to the rest of the people if he is Ummi? That he was never formally trained by any person, any human being. And despite that, he was a source of guidance for so many, many, many people. In fact, he is the source of guidance for anyone who wants to be guided. And this is despite the fact that he was Ummi. Right? Like for example, in history, we learn about many people, great philosophers, Allah did not choose them to be prophets. Allah chose Muhammad wasallam to be a prophet. And you know what? This in itself is a proof of His truthfulness. Because who would you expect a very eloquent piece of writing come from? Someone who is educated, someone who learned, someone who traveled a lot, someone who got to experience many, many things. But an unlettered man is saying something like the Qur'an, so deep, so meaningful, so eloquent, this shows that this was not the speech of this man. It is the speech of who? Someone else. He is the deliverer. He is someone who is just conveying. Right? Likewise, you would expect someone who has been formally trained to lead people in a very effective way. But we see that Muhammad ﷺ is leading people even though he was never formally trained. So what does it show? The truthfulness of his prophethood. Anytime someone asks you, how do you know that Muhammad ﷺ was really a prophet or not? How do you know? What if this was all a lie? What if this was all he was faking it? People say that today. People might say the same question to you. And you say, no, 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 I believe that he was a prophet and don't ask me too many questions. He should know the answer. What's the answer? He was ummi. If he was ummi, and despite that, he gave the Qur'an. Despite that, he led the people. Despite that, he said such deep words of wisdom. Then, 
this has got to come from somewhere else. Meaning, he was given all this from someone else. And who was that someone else? Who was that someone else? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also one more thing. What do you think the wisdom is behind choosing an ummi prophet? Weren't there certain people in Mecca who could read and write? It said that there were about 17 people in Mecca who could read and write. Why didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose one of them? Why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam an ummi? To make it clear to us that it's not impossible to learn the religion. Okay, yes? Yes. Because his heart, his mind is pure and unpolluted. Someone who has been taught something from before, then what happens? Their mind, their brain starts to work in that particular way. Right? Like for example, if you went to a particular school system, or if you were taught to read in a particular way, and then all of a sudden, your parents, they shifted you to a different school system completely, then you would struggle initially. Isn't it so? You would struggle a lot. Why? Because this is all new to you. You are used to reading in a different way. You are used to counting in a different way. And now you're being taught to do things completely differently. Which is why many times it happens with children that when they move from one country to the other, they were the brightest students back home. And now they're struggling. Why? It's a new system. It's a new system. Right? And also, the things that you study in the past, they affect your thinking. Isn't it so? The books that you've read in the past, the literature that you've read, whatever you have studied, it affects your mind. Correct? You try not to think in that way, but your mind only works in that way. Like for example, somebody is really good at mathematics, logic, and everything, they look at it as logic. And when they're dealing with family problems, they try to apply the same logic over there, and it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Right? So, because they are so used to thinking in a particular way, now it's difficult for them to learn something new. Okay? So, the Prophet ﷺ, because he was ummi, his mind was pure, his heart was unpolluted, he was upon the fitrah. He was upon the fitrah. So he received the Qur'an in a pure vessel, pure container, and then he was able to pass it on in the best way. In the best way. So, al-Rasul, al-Nabi, al-Ummi. الَّذِي يَجِدُونَهُ مَكْتُوبًا عِنْدَهُمْ فِي التَّورَاتِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ They find him by name, by description, written, described in the books that are with them, the Torah and the Injil. This Prophet, this Messenger, يَأْمُرُهُمْ He orders them بِالْمَعْرُوفِ With that which is ma'roof, meaning right, correct, proper, وَيَنْهَاهُمْ And he forbids them عَنِ الْمُنْكَ From the wrong. The Prophet ﷺ, his entire message, whatever he brought, is described over here. What did he do? He told people to do what is right, and he forbade them from doing what is wrong. This is why Hiraqal, the Roman king, when he asked Abu Sufyan, who was still a mushrik at that time, he was asking Abu Sufyan different things about Muhammad ﷺ, about Islam, one of the questions that he asked was, what does he command you? What does Muhammad ﷺ tell you to do? So Abu Sufyan, he replied, 
He tells us to worship Allah alone and not associate anything with Him and to abandon what our ancestors did, meaning of shirk. And He commands us to pray, to speak the truth, to be chaste and to maintain ties of kinship. What is all of this? Maruf, Isn't it? Speak the truth. Everyone, every person who has some good morals, they will say speaking the truth is ma'roof. Right? Likewise, being chaste, being honest in your relationships, being tahir, being pure in your relationships, that is also what? Ma'roof. Likewise, maintaining ties of kinship. What is that? What is that? Ma'roof. Right? Being good to your mother, your father, your siblings, forgiving them, overlooking their shortcomings. All of this is what? Ma'roof. So this is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ brought. And whatever he forbade the people from doing, whether it is drinking alcohol or any other wrong action, what is that? Munkar. So, يَأْمُرُهُمْ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَاهُمْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَيُحِلُّ لَهُمْ And he makes permissible for them what? الطَّيِّبَاتِ The good things. Because people have made many good things unlawful for themselves. Today, the situation is sort of different because majority of the people just follow their desires. So whatever they want to do, they do it. But people who do adhere to religion, we see that many of them have made good things unlawful for themselves. Or rather, it is believed that being religious means staying away from good things. Isn't that what we also sometimes think? That if you're very religious, then never wear makeup. If you're very religious, then don't dress up. If you're very religious, then you shouldn't be having good food. This is what we think religiosity is. But we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he brought the most practical religion, the best religion, because it was sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbul Alameen. Through who? Rahmatul Alameen, the mercy to the worlds. So, Good things that the people make haram on themselves, the Prophet ﷺ came to make them lawful. Like for example, the Yahud. Remember that because of their sins, certain good things were made haram on them. And remember we learned in detail about which kind of animals, right? Animals with uncloven hooves were made haram on them. Right? Likewise, the fact of the animals was made haram on them. And imagine how difficult it would be for them to separate that fat, okay, and take the meat. How difficult it would be. And the only fat that they could consume was the fat that you don't want to have, right? The one in the intestines. Awil hawaya, come on. So it was very difficult for them, right? So these halal things that had been made haram on them, the Prophet ﷺ made them lawful. And this is not just in the matters of food. Also in the matters of dress, in the matters of money, in the matters of relationships. Okay? Likewise, you see that in certain cultures, in certain religions, people, they don't eat meat. And meat is something that is tayyib for you. Right? It is good. So the Prophet ﷺ, he made all of these good things lawful. Doesn't mean he made everything lawful. Good things is a condition. And وَيُحَرِّمُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْخَبَائِثِ And the impure things, He made all of them unlawful for the people. Impure things, the bad things that the people had made lawful for themselves, the Prophet ﷺ came to forbid them. Like for instance, 
alcohol. And what else? Lahm al-Khinzir. So, and also there are many things that people do today. Consumption of riba. Right? Which are actually bad for people. Actually, they are bad for people. We might think, but if interest was allowed, it would be so easy for me to get an education today. Right? So why can't I just simply take a loan and, you know, just study easily? Why not? Do you know, so many people, they take these loans, they go to school, and they graduate with a $50,000 loan, which is accumulating interest every year, or every month rather. Hmm? And then what happens? They try to pay it off, but after undergraduate, who finds a job immediately? Who finds it? Then they have to take another loan and get more education. And then what happens? They say, it's too difficult, I can't pay it off. And besides, there's so many things that you want to have, who wants to pay off the loan? Why would a person give $700 to the bank to pay off their loan when instead they can get an iPhone? Why? Why would they? And they keep saying, oh, it's accumulating interest, doesn't matter, whatever, what can I do? Inna lillahi wa inna Let me just enjoy myself. And then what happens? So many people, they find it difficult to find a suitable spouse. Because one of the first things people ask today is what? Do you have a debt to pay off? Yes. I have seen many people who are so close to getting married, but it doesn't work out. Why? Because the guy says, I'm not paying off her loans. And the girl says, I don't think I can live a life in which for the first 10 years of our life, my husband is trying to pay off his loans. And then what happens? If they say, never mind, it's okay, then the woman, she is at home with her children, and every month, riba, 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 it's increasing. Initially it was a loan of 10,000, now it has become a loan of 50,000. And the husband, he doesn't know whether to buy a family car or to pay off the loan. There's no barakah in the family, there's no barakah in the money, they're living a life of misery, of pretense. And I'm talking about young couples. I'm talking about young couples. Sometimes people have to delay having a family because they can't afford to have children. Why? Because we have to pay off our loans. My husband has his debts to pay off. I have my debts to pay off. So what good was that loan? What good was that loan? Isn't it khabis? Tell me, if it's not khabis, then what is it? If it's going to make you miserable for the rest of your life, then it is khabis. It is khabith. It's not worth it. Is it really worth that education, that degree? Not at all. Because you know what? Majority of the women, especially Muslim women, and not just Muslim women, but many women, what happens with them is that they get married and they have the children. And once they see their children, they don't want to leave them. They don't want to put them in daycare and go to work. They want to spend their time with their children. But every day, they wake up with a heavy heart, with this guilt, I have a loan to pay off. So remember, everything that is haram, it is khabis, it is evil, it is dirty, it is filthy. It's gonna make your life miserable. So stay away from it. Find out some other alternate. Beg Allah, ask Him to open the ways for you, and He will, if you are determined. 
If you are determined, there are people, I know myself personally, who have extended their four-year degree to six years, seven years. Yes, they're very behind compared to the rest of the people, but they refuse to take a loan. They will work. They will work, make money, and with that money, they will pay off their education. Yes, they don't have fancy phones. They don't have a car still. They don't have many clothes. They hardly, hardly ever go to the mall. Why? Because they want to stay away from haram. They will take personal loans from people. And the first thing they do is that they'll pay it off. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them with great families, with children, with happiness, with money. Why? This is the barakah of halal. This is the blessing of tayyib. This is the blessing of tayyib. So remember, everything that the Prophet ﷺ forbade, what is that? Khabith. Filthy. You don't want to go near it. You don't want to touch it. You want to stay away from it. يُحَرِّمُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْخَبَائِذِ وَيَضَعُ And he removes عَنْهُمْ from them إِسْرَهُمْ Their burden. وَالْأَغْلَالِ And the locks, the shackles, the chains أَلَّتِي كَانَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ Which were upon them. Specifically these verses are talking about the Yahud and the Nasara. Because they're the ones who had made good things unlawful on themselves and unlawful things lawful for themselves. They basically changed their religion. So the Prophet ﷺ came to rectify their religion as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed and establish it. And one of the things that he did was that the burdens and the chains that were on the people he came to remove them. What does Isr mean? Isr is from the root letters Hamza Sadra. And Isr is a heavy load that restricts a person from moving about easily. Have you ever traveled with a bag and a carry-on and a plastic bag in your other hand? And maybe a child running around you? Has it ever happened to you that you've had to carry a lot of stuff and there you are sitting somewhere, finally you find a spot and you're like, I need to go to the bathroom. And then you look at all the stuff and you're like, forget it. It's okay, I'll wait. I'll hold on for like 10 hours, but I'm not going with all this stuff to the washroom because it's impossible. What does Isr do? What does a heavy burden do? It restricts you from moving about easily. Isr refers to, over here, all those difficult, difficult commands that were given to the Bani Israel. Or generally, that people have imposed on themselves that have made lives difficult for them. Such difficult commands that don't let the people relax. They can't relax. Like for instance, the Bani Israel, one of the rulings that they were given was that if something impure fell on your clothes, you could never purify it. You could never purify that piece of cloth. What, this was one of the commands that they were given. So if let's say a drop of urine fell on a person's clothes, then what would happen? They would have to cut that part off. They couldn't purify it. There was no way of purifying. But we see that the Prophet ﷺ came, relieved the people of this burden, and now what do you have to do? Just take a little bit of water and wet that spot and khalas. Clean. Brings it out, done, so easy. So this burden that was imposed on the people, taken off from them. So the people have become free. 
Islam set the people free. Before, what was the way? That your leader, whatever he tells you, you follow. Whatever he tells you, you follow. But now, in Islam, what are we taught? You follow the leader. Definitely you have to. Sam' wa ta'a. But in that which is right. If something is wrong, and the leader is telling you to do it, you don't do it. This is what? Freedom. Correct? So, the true freedom was brought by who? The Prophet ﷺ. So, وَيَضَعُ عَنْهُمْ إِصْرَهُمْ وَالْأَغْلَالِ أَغْلَالِ Plural of ghul. And what is ghul? Chains, shackles, like for example, handcuffs. Now imagine somebody is handcuffed. They're just tied. Can they use their hands freely? No. If there's, you know, that lock on a person's foot, can they walk around easily? No. If someone is chained to a chair, can they move around? Not at all. So what does the aglal refer to? Aglal refers to the restrictions and the prohibitions. The prohibitions, not allowing the people to live easy lives. So for example, when animal fat was prohibited, just imagine how difficult it was for people, and it, is, it still is for the people to slaughter an animal. If you research a little bit about how the Jews slaughter their animals to make it permissible to eat, it's a very long process. For Muslims, what do we have to do? Have a sharp knife. Bismillahu Akbar. Khalas. Done. But there's a much detailed procedure that they have to follow to make an animal permissible for consumption. So this is all what? Aglal, chains. So the restrictions, the prohibitions, not allowing them to live their lives easily. Likewise, the restrictions of the Sabbath. Can you imagine one whole day, one whole day, you're not allowed to do anything of this world? Can you imagine? People find two hours of Jumu'ah difficult. One hour of Jumu'ah difficult. That I have to be at the masjid at this time. Imagine spending a whole day like that. So this was what? A restriction upon them that made their life very difficult. The Prophet ﷺ came to remove all of this. In a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, بُعِثْتُ بِالْحَنِفِيَّةِ السَّمْحَةِ I was sent with the easy way of Hanifiyah, meaning of monotheism. So the religion that the Prophet ﷺ brought, the religion of Islam, if you summarize it in one word, what is it? What is it? Easy. You might say, no, Islam is difficult. You know why? Because we are comparing Islam with the people who just follow their desires. This is what we're doing. If you compare Islam with other religions, then you will find Islam to be so easy, so good, so practical. So practical. I mean, the strange, strange restrictions that people have in their religion, nonsensical almost, we can't even imagine doing things like that. But our religion is simple, it is easy, it is practical. Allah says, فَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا So those people who believe, bihi in Him, meaning in Muhammad ﷺ, وَعَزَّرُوهُ And they respect Him. وَنَصَرُوهُ And they help Him. وَاتَّبَعُوا And they follow. What do they follow? النُورَ الَّذِي The light which unzila ma'ahu, which was sent with Him. أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Those are the ones who are successful. So this ayah describes the Prophet and the followers of the Prophet. What are the characteristics of the followers of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam? The true followers, amanu bihi, 
So check yourself. Do I believe in him? Secondly, عزروهو. عزروهو from تعزير. عين زائرة. What does تعزير mean? To help support someone out of respect. With respect. With respect. You know it's like, there's a person that you're helping because they're old or because they need your help and you really don't feel like helping them. It's a burden. It's a burden that you have to hold the door open for someone. You're like, quickly, move, 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 hurry, hurry. So I can leave the door. And the other is that you willingly, happily, with respect, you help someone. This is ta'zeer. Willingly, happily, with respect. And we see that those who truly believe in the Prophet ﷺ, they show this kind of respect to him as well. When his name is mentioned, they say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, not as a burden again, no, but they happily say it. With respect they say it. When they study about him, his words, his seerah, they do so with happiness, with respect, with reverence. The companions, we see that they showed this kind of respect to him when they went. And if they had to knock somewhere in order to get his attention, they wouldn't just yell at him. Oh Prophet ﷺ, come on, we've been waiting so long. You know once, the Prophet ﷺ, he delayed the Isha prayer. So much so that the people who were sitting in the masjid waiting, they fell asleep. And they woke up. And they fell asleep again. And they woke up again. And the women and the children, they were sleeping. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he got up and he said, As-salah. He just said, prayer, that's it. He didn't say, Prophet ﷺ, are you there? Are you sleeping? Can you please come? We've been waiting for so long. If you're busy, I can lead the people in prayer. You know? Nothing like that. Azzaruhu. They waited and waited and waited with so much respect that none of them was freaking out. None of them was creating a scene. Azzaruhu. Wanasaruhu. And they helped him. And we can also help him today by helping his mission, by defending him, by telling the people about him. So the people who help him, they're the ones who will be successful. Like, remember at the Battle of Badr, the first battle, and the Muslims, they had to go face the army. And the Prophet ﷺ was worried that the Muslims might be reluctant. So when he asked them, that what do you think? What do you say? The Ansar, the people of Medina, they said, O Prophet ﷺ, if you were to tell us to go and jump in the sea, we would do that. Anything you go for, we are with you. We will support you. وَنَصَرُوهُ Allah says, such people are those who are successful. Allah says, قُلْ Say, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O mankind, إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ I am a messenger of Allah to you, jami'an, all together. Because the Prophet ﷺ was sent as a messenger to who? All of mankind. The previous messengers were sent to their respective nations, to their respective people. But Muhammad ﷺ was sent to all of mankind. This is the reason why if there is any person who believes in Allah, believes in Musa believes in Isa but he does not believe in Muhammad his iman is not accepted. It is not valid. It will be rejected. For a person's iman to be accepted by Allah, it is a condition that they must, must believe in Muhammad Otherwise, 
not acceptable. In Surah Saba, Ayah 28, we learn, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَةً لِلنَّاسِ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا We have not sent you except comprehensively to all of mankind, meaning to all people. Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 107, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً For who? لِلْعَالَمِينَ For the people of the worlds. In Surah Hud, Ayah 17, we learn, وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِهِ مِنَ الْأَحْزَابِ فَالنَّارُ مَوْعِدُهُ Whoever disbelieves in him from any of the groups, then what is his home? What is his abode? An-Nar. He's not going to Jannah. Anyone who rejects Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his iman is not acceptable. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, بُعِثْتُ إِلَى النَّاسِ كَافَّةً الْأَحْمَرْ وَالْأَسْوَدْ I was sent to all of mankind, whether black or white. Doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what country, doesn't matter what language, what ethnicity, the Prophet ﷺ was sent as a messenger to all of people. All of people. So it's not just the Arabs who are supposed to be Muslim, or brown people who are supposed to be Muslim. Everyone is required to believe in Muhammad ﷺ. Why? Because he is a messenger sent by who? الَّذِي لَهُ مُلْكُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ Allah to whom belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. لا إله إلا هو. There is no God but He. يحيي ويميت. He gives life and He gives death. The Prophet ﷺ is a messenger of Allah, the one who gives life and the one who gives death. Realize, He's not an ordinary messenger. فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ Allah tells us now that all of you believe in Allah وَرَسُولِهِ and His messenger. Who is His messenger? النبي, the Prophet, الأمي, the unlettered. الَّذِي يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ The one who believes in Allah. Muhammad ﷺ believes in who? Allah. He's a servant of who? Allah. He didn't say, Oh people, worship me because I am God. Never. Never. He showed that he was a servant of Allah himself. He believed in Allah. وَكَلِمَاتِهِ And his words, meaning he believed in all of the words of Allah. Kalimat, plural of? Kalima. And what does kalimat refer to? All of the words of Allah. And this includes all the books that Allah has revealed. So Muhammad ﷺ, he believes in Allah and everything that Allah has revealed. He doesn't say, oh people, the Torah was a lie, the Injil was a lie. No. He has come confirming the truthfulness of the previous scriptures. Allah says, وَاتَّبِعُوهُ And follow Him. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَحْتَدُونَ So that you can be rightly guided. What does this teach us? If we want to be rightly guided, then what should we do? Follow what? The Messenger of Allah wasallam. The closer a person is to the Sunnah of the Prophet, the more guided he is. The farther a person is from the Sunnah of the Prophet, the more astray he is. Your guidance is determined by what? How much you follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Let's listen to the recitation. Al-lazina yattabi'oona al-rasoola al-nabiyyal ummiyya al-lazhi yajidoonahu maktooban indahum الذي يجدونه مكتوبا عندهم في التوراة والإنجيل يأمرهم بالمعروف 